The following program is recorded content created by the Truth Network. It's Matt Slick Live. Matt is the founder and president of the Christian Apologetics Research Ministry, found online at CARM.org. When you have questions about Bible doctrines, turn to Matt Slick Live for answers. Taking your calls and responding to your questions at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. It's me, Matt Slick. I'm back in the country. And got back on uh, Saturday? Sunday? I can't remember yet. I got up at 5.30 this morning. I got up. Oh, man, I was wide awake. So I got up and worked. <laughs> any rate, uh, hey, welcome to the show. And if you're new to the show, my name's Matt Slick. You're listening to Matt Slick Live. I'm a Christian apologist, defend the Christian faith, teach theology, and do all kinds of stuff like that. If you want to give me a call, all you got to do is dial 877-207-2276. I want to hear from you. If you are so inclined and you don't want to call and you're afraid of the radio, because I do know there are people afraid of being on the radio, being on air. If you want, you want to talk to me, you can do it a different way. All you have to do is uh, just email me at info at org, and you can just type in, you know, question, uh, you know, for for radio, radio question, whatever it is, and I can take a look at that, and uh, what I'll do is I'll answer them on the air. And on Fridays, uh, I do hate mail. Now, there's a problem. Uh, you know what a drought is, right? A drought is when, you know, something is, uh, you know, there's not enough rain. Well, there's a drought of hate mail. I'm going to have to unearth some old hate mail in order to uh, keep us entertained because uh, as many of you uh, know I love hate mail I love to read uh, hate mail why I'm uh, not a Christian or why I'm full of evil or uh, how karm is stupid I I just get a kick out of that stuff I really do and uh, in fact when I was on the Israel trip some people made comments about the hate mail one guy goes man I love it when you hate mail I said why he goes you crack me up when you laugh so they enjoy it when I have fun with it because I really do so if you hate me and hate what I do, write me some hate mail, info at karm.org, and I'll, maybe I'll write it, and I'll read it on the air. Now, I'm going to tell you, though, uh, sometimes, you know, people write me with hate mail, and their grammar's not very good, so I have to correct it sometimes. But if you are interested in uh, how to write hate mail properly, we have a, an article on Karm on uh, how to write a hate mail uh, to me and the proper grammar and the syntax has to be good because you know hey come on if if you can't write the hate mail correctly uh, and I'm getting confused by the bad grammar well then it's a waste of time write concisely write clearly you know call me a jerk you are a jerk see that's good hate mail you know could eat easily read it and stuff like that and I enjoy that kind of stuff so if you hate what I do you can do that you can call me up or you can email me all right and that would be at info at karm.org in fact I'm going to check right now to see if uh, there's any hate mail well any hate mail if anybody's going to okay okay all right got that and uh, ooh that's right got to look at that Uh, yeah oh man look at this uh, okay, lots of stuff. Okay, we have four open lines, 877-207-2276. If you want to give me a call, let's get to Chris from Georgia. Chris, welcome. You're on the air. Hi. Hey, Brother Matt. Um, hey. I love what you do, so uh, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I what have a got? question for you okay. regarding an article that you posted a couple of years ago regard- mm-hmm. about friendship with Anthony. Okay. And um, yeah. I noticed that I put links on your website to it. 
but the article's not there anymore. It's, it's not there? On, like, the internet archive. Yeah, it, it was called, uh, it was entitled mm. Friendship Evangelism is Neither Friendship Nor Evangelism. And when the article disappeared, the actual content, um, I wondered if, if it was because maybe your views had changed or if you still hold that same view. Uh, well, uh, uh, I'm looking uh, to see uh, if we transferred everything over, and it's possible that we just missed it. You know, we just went, oh, we skipped a line in our spreadsheet, or something like that. So what I'm going to do right now, literally, while I'm talking to you, as I'm going into the uh, into the let's see into the back channel of the CARM website, Friendship Evangelism. And I'm just now doing a search. There's uh, almost 6,000 articles. And what is Friendship Evangelism? It's in draft mode. Oh, and it says, and that's in draft mode also. That is interesting. Okay, so now I can click it and edit it, and I can take a look and see if something's up. Uh, maybe, uh, let's see, I don't know if, if Laura or Charlie, you guys know anything about that? I'm looking at them on the camera. Nope, they don't know anything. It's in draft mode, and um, see, I'm doing this right now, live. And so what I'm going to do, why is it in draft? I don't know. So I'm going to do right now, pending review, I'm publishing it. So there it is, I just hit publish. Okay. Oh, it's got to be formatted out. It's not very good format. It looks like it's been, huh. It looks like it's been copied twice into the same issue, the same thing. Oh yeah, it's all messed up. But at any rate, uh, I just, I just uh, released it. So probably during a break, I'll look at it and make the format okay. That's what it looks like what happens. So we got a format mess up, and we didn't uh, get to it and clear it up. Boy, okay. Yeah. Oh, now I know why. Okay. No, I, now I know why. Now it all came back to me. I know what's going on. Okay, so I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to unpublish it and have a reason for that. Uh, now it's all come back to me. I get it. Thanks for the note in the uh, private chat. And what I will do is rewrite it uh, so so that it's publishable. Okay. So there you go. All right. Okay. I, as a, I can't. As a, yeah. a I can't tell you question. why. Okay, go ahead. Do you still hold the same view? And my reason for asking is I actually sent an email to info at harm.org about three years ago. Okay. And um, what was interesting is um, a gentleman replied to that email and referenced, I think, First Peter 3.15 in support of mm -hmm. friendship with Angela, um, mm -hmm. which is contrary to, contrary to an article that you have published basically saying that First Peter 3.15, if I'm not misquoting you, is not a good argument for, for friendship evangelism. And so I just I wanted some clarity because I value your opinion so much, and and your, your website's been such a wonderful resource to me for the better part of a decade, um, and I really respect your your views and whatnot. Um, and so I just wanted to see what your what your current thinking is on on okay. friendship evangelism, if it's if it's biblical or not. Well, um, let me just say that the reason we had to unpublish the article is because of the author who wrote it. It wasn't me, and uh, there was there's reasons behind all of that. So we took that stuff down from that individual. All right, having said that, so friendship evangelism is good or bad depending on how it's defined. If friendship evangelism means, because there's different definitions, different ways people uh, assume it and, and mean it. If they mean, for example, you have a neighbor and you never mention the gospel because you're just trying to be nice and set an example, then that's not, that's not good friend, 
friendship evangelism. Friendship evangelism that would work is uh, occasionally you bring up the Lord, you're trying to set the uh, the tone uh, of a friendship because you got to live next door to somebody, for example, and you do that. Now, as a matter of fact, we have someone who comes over, and, and she did this today about 20 minutes ago. She's a, a young girl who is in the neighborhood, and she comes over and uh, cleans her cat boxes. We pay her a little bit for you know. And so she is an atheist, and she's young, and uh, I'm witnessing to her. And like today, you know, for example, she comes in the front door and she won't look at me. And I know why, because I make her smile all the time, you know, and I'll say, are you smiling now? And she goes, I'm not smiling at you. I go, look at me. And and then she's smiling. What do you call that? You know, and we just have fun. And so uh, she knows I'm a Christian and I know she's an atheist and I, and I try and plant seeds of truth periodically without overwhelming so that's a form of of friendship evangelism and uh, friendship evangelism is good when the goal of it is to get someone into a relationship with Christ but the gospel must, must be preached and Christ must be taught sometime during that but because there are variations that are so critical there are so many different issues of how that might work uh, you may not see your neighbor but once a month you may see the neighbor once a day how much do you say what kind of personality does that person have etc there's just a lot of variables involved so generally I would say friendship evangelism is okay if what you're trying to do is just be a friend to somebody and ultimately plant the seeds of the truth of the gospel and that's what your overall goal is over a long period of time I have no problem with that on the other hand, like when I was uh, in Israel just a few days ago, I met a Catholic priest in the hallway of the hotel. And I said, uh, excuse me, can I ask you a question? Now, I had about one minute because he had his luggage and uh, or he's going to go downstairs and do something. And I was going to do something else, a different direction. And I said, can you tell me what the gospel is? And he said, well, it's, it's faith in Jesus. And I said, so what's the gospel according to the Catholic Church that saves you from your sins? And he couldn't answer the question. And so I said, you don't know what the gospel is? And I said, you are responsible for the people underneath you, and you can't even tell me what the gospel is that forgives you of your sins. God's going to hold you responsible. I went right in, swinging. And I told him that he needed to repent of his false teachings and that the Catholic Church is not Christian and that he needs to study Romans 4, 5, and 6. I told this to the priest all within a minute to a minute and a half. So there's a direct approach, because you're not going to be able to see the guy again. There's the indirect approach, which some people call eventual evangelism. So you see, context, people, situations, affects everything about it. I don't know if I've helped you at all on that, but you see what I'm saying? Yes, sir. Yes. Um, do you have time for one more follow-on question? For this sure, we've got, we got nobody waiting right now, so go for it. What a blessing. Um <laughs> I had I had an atheist friend um, who, who worked with me. He served faithfully in the Air Force for many years, and he had okay. heart surgery. Okay. And and I tried the whole friendship evangelism, so we'll build up a relationship over time, and I'll talk to him about the gospel. I'll flip in, you know, praise the Lord here or there. Or if somebody takes the Lord's name in vain, I might pipe up and say, he's alive and reigning at the right hand of the Father, something like along that. those lines. Just to, you know, they, they knew I was a Christian, but I never actually did a whole gospel presentation. And, um, and he died pretty suddenly. And so okay. my, my follow-on question is, um, because I love that, that you contrasted, you know, what the, what the atheist um, is doing for you with, with, with the Catholic priest, is there a place, um, or is it proper for someone in my position um, 
to, to think, well, I, I don't know if, what tomorrow is going to bring. I don't know if I'm going to see this person again. I think that I will, but um, I've struggled with that, with not presenting the gospel and then feeling like I haven't done the good that I know I ought to do, mm-hmm. even though I am trying to build up this relationship so that I eventually have a, a door in. Um, what, what counsel would you give me, I guess, along those lines? Well, the first counsel I'll give you is that God is sovereign. God's one who opens up the mind to believe truth. Acts uh, sixteen fourteen. Jesus opens the mind to believe Scripture. Luke twenty four forty five. God grants that we believe. Philippians one twenty nine. He grants repentance. Second Timothy two twenty five. As many as have been appointed to eternal life believe. Acts thirteen forty eight. Your job is in sales, not production. God is the one who produces Christians. Your job is to preach the gospel when appropriate. It's not appropriate, for example, in a movie theater to stand up during a movie and start preaching the gospel. It's appropriate at various times when the Holy Spirit moves upon you. There's, I would never say that there's always a perfect time or not a perfect time, and that we can certainly make mistakes. But you've got to understand that God is sovereign through all of it. As you speak the truth to people, as you're trying to witness, even the fact of saying what you did, you know, he's alive and reigning, is a testimony to the truth of the resurrection of Christ. And it's good. Now, if you didn't give a full presentation of the gospel, it doesn't mean the guy doesn't hear it someplace else. It doesn't mean that you failed. It means you did what was right at the time and the circumstance, and God took him according to his sovereign uh, plan when uh, it was time. Hey, hold on. we got a break. We'll be right back. Folks, four open lines. Give me a call, 877-207-2276. We'll be right back. As a veteran, you get a lot of advice. But wisdom's harder to come by. A lot of people imagine themselves in our shoes without understanding the weight on our shoulders. The truth is, few can understand the pressure of finding your own way after serving in the military. But few isn't none. You've got support. You can't control the chaos, but you can chart your way through it. Steady yourself. Take a breath. You're not alone. Learn more at maketheconnection.net. It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. If you want to give me a call, we have wide open lines, 877-207-2276. That reminds me, uh, before we get back to the caller, I'm going to be in Salt Lake City uh, in a couple of weeks. Let me get the calendar out. Sandra Tanner is uh, retiring. Sandra Tanner uh, is the premier uh, person in the world on Mormonism right now, and she is awesome. I've got to know her, gotten to know her. We did an Israel trip a few years ago, and uh, she's a great lady. So um, I will be down there for her retirement party. I'll be down there for a day or two or three, I don't know. And that uh, is on the 24th uh, which of this month, which is a Friday, so I'll be down that area. Hey! Maybe we can, you know, meet. People want to do that. would be fun. All right. Let's get back on the air with Chris from Georgia. Okay, Chris. So did, would I tell you help at all? Um, 
Yes, I I, I, th- I think it did. It, yeah, um, I, I've, I've considered. I mean, I subscribe to the doctrine of grace and whatnot, so I've, I've reflected in those in some of those moments on the sovereignty of God. But I still wonder if um, if some of that reluctance, uh, as a throwback to that article that was you know, published and then unpublished. Sorry for that confusion. Um, but yeah, you know, they, they it said you know nobody goes to hell because they weren't friends. Um, you know, so just I guess trying to figure out the, the right balance of prioritizing gospel proclamation above friendship. Because if I don't ever experience any persecution or any loss or any, you know, if I'm more nervous about social ostracism um, than, than the gospel, I, just, I feel like maybe that's, I don't know, maybe it depends on a case, maybe yeah. it's a case by case. Well, it's a good concern you have. Uh, you know, we want to be able to it'll be right with the Lord and and say what is the right thing at the right time and when you figure out how to do that please let me know because I don't I'm serious you know there's only one time in my entire life when I witnessed to somebody that I thought I did a really good job and I'm not saying I did a really good job I'm saying one time when I thought I did and I still think I did but maybe I didn't because it's up to God but the point is I don't know of any perfect time perfect thing perfect way and so what I do is I just move forward and I try and I try and and cater the words to the situation because there are appropriate times to present the word and inappropriate times and we don't want to be overbearing and then uh, shut someone out from the gospel and the thing is you know you and I could be um, out evangelizing together and there could be two people and you and I are so to speak back to back talking to two individuals and you and I could give the exact same word-for-word gospel presentation one person rejects one another one might accept and it's you know it's a mystery and so I've learned over the years that I don't know of any perfect situation and perfect set of words. And I always have regrets about what I should have done and should not have done. And then I lay it all before God and I ask him to bless the words beyond my ability to understand how they might work in someone's heart. Even if it's not presenting the full gospel but maybe just presenting but he rose from the dead because it's a truth statement and that could be enough in someone's heart and mind illumined by God to get them to that place of salvation and so um, you know it's just a tough one man it's a tough one I say just do your best and trust God I appreciate your advice sir thank you so much yeah so let me ask you though are you um Regretting not giving him what you think is the full gospel before he perished? Oh, for sure. Uh, when I got the okay. news, um, I I was driving a long distance. I mean, I, I cried the whole way home. I'm not, I'm not a big tear teary guy, but yeah, no, I I definitely had regrets. Not because I think it would have changed anything, um, but because um, I questioned whether or not I was faithful in those moments. What I've found, you know, spending the last twenty years now working in corporate America is that there's um, there's often a pressure to, to not say things, um, especially to co-workers, where, where you can risk loss or ostracism mm-hmm. or a number, any number of things. 
Um, and so, yes, I, I regretted not putting those things first, especially in light of verses like Mark 10, 30. Yeah, you know, I remember um, I worked at uh, Hewlett-Packard, and we I was a computer tech. There's like 45 of us. And we had a special room that we were allowed to go into that no one else was because we had our people's computers. And we had access to their accounts. It was a secure environment. In that environment, a lot of the guys that I worked with were foul. On the floor, they weren't. But in that room, they let their guard down and they would be foul. They used the Lord's name in vain. And I was there for four years. And I, um, I never cussed and I never joined in their filth. But I never condemned them. They figured out after about three or four months why why are you so different? And I told them, and I said, "Look, you know, I've been a pastor, and and um, I said, you know, I'm not going to participate in your guys' stuff. I'm not judging you. I'm just saying I'm just not going to do that." And I never I don't know if I did give them the gospel at any particular time or any particular individuals, but I do remember being careful because you can't preach you lose your job. I had a wife and baby or kids at the time. But what I did do was let them know that there were certain boundaries and certain things because I was a Christian who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, God in flesh. I'd say it like that. And uh, so there's ways to get around things and to say things. But that took months to prep before they started asking me. And that's what I've been hoping for. That way, there was no risk of anything, and yet at the same time, they got to hear truth. So, was that the right approach? Maybe someone would have said, oh, I'd have preached to them sooner. Okay, maybe you would have. Uh, but I didn't. I waited. And I found that they actually started changing their behavior when I was around. I never asked them to, except for one area. I said, when you use the Lord's name in vain, that bothers me. So it's just a personal thing. I said, I'm not saying don't. I'm just saying that's what it does to me. I said, you guys do what you want. You know, and I never pushed them, pushed them. But they actually started changing because they respected me. And they, uh, <laughs> I just remembered a story. You had me thinking about this. And I remember this, this, uh, these two guys, uh, one was a big guy, they were roommates. And they were renting out a refurbished church. And they were living in the attic of a attic of a refurbished church, and this was their their rental room that they were. And they played games and stuff, you know, online games. This one guy, his name was Torrance. He was a huge guy, and they called him Toe for short. He's a good guy. And he came to me once. He goes, "Matt, I got to tell you what happened. I got to tell you what happened." And I said, "What?" And he said, "You know, so and so and I were out there playing our games online. Blah blah blah. We heard a knock on the door." And he said. Said, we went to the door. It was like 2 o'clock in the morning. And opened up the door, and a woman was standing there. And when we get back to break, I'll tell you what happened. And uh, we'll be right back, folks. After these messages, please stay tuned. There's that break. We'll be right back. Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. At the bottom of the hour, let's get back on with uh, with Chris. We've been on for a bit talking about this. Are you still there? 
Yes, sir. All right. So uh, what happened was this woman knocked on the door. These guys were they were shaken up by this. They said that this woman knocked on the door at like 2 o'clock in the morning. They were up playing games. And um, they opened the door, and she stared at them at the door, raised her hand, pointed the finger at them, and said, God wants his church back. And they're like freaking out, and she stared at them, and they were just, they just closed the door. And they came to me and told me about this. Now, why would they do that? Because of what I represented to them. And they were shaken up by it. And I said, God's trying to reach you guys. You need to repent. You need to turn to Christ. And those opportunities that came up, and, um, you know, so that's a form of friendship evangelism, if you use it in a broad term. But, uh, yeah, I did tell them the gospel, though. I remember. I told these guys many times over the years. You know. Anyway, okay? Yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right. And just so you know, there have been plenty of times when I've regretted not saying more. So it happens. All right, brother? Thank you so much. May the Lord continue to use your ministry mightily. And may he continue to use, use you mightily as well. All right? Preaching the gospel is a mighty thing. So praise God. All right, brother. God bless. Okay. All right. Let's get to Gabriel from Maryland. Gabriel, welcome. You are on the air. Hi, Matt. Thanks for taking the time to sure. take my call. Sure. Mm-hmm. So, so got? my question is about Samuel, First uh, Samuel seventeen forty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the one about the five stones that David picked up. Okay. And I have a theory that I want to run by you to see if it uh, passes muster. Okay. So my theory is that the five stones that he picked up represent the five cities of the Philistines Mm. uh, for these reasons. Because, one, the five cities of the Philistines were listed and specifically numbered and mentioned earlier on in the book. Two, uh, David, when he's talking to his brothers and to uh, King Saul, shows no hesitation whatsoever about fighting Goliath. He speaks as though he's guaranteed success, and he would only need one stone for success. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it, it seems like he needs the other four as a prayer, um, as a representation to God to let him be successful in conquering the other four cities. Oh, you know, how Goliath was of Gath, so the other four cities. Okay. And uh, that, that throughout the Bible there are other moments when certain things are counted to represent mm-hmm. other counted things, like with the... Uh, I have an example in Second Kings thirteen eighteen, where the number of times the king struck the arrows on the ground was to be the number of times God would strike Syria. Right. Um, so, does that sound reasonable to you? Absolutely. The, the two existing. Okay. It, it does. In fact, what I'd like you to do is, if you would, is email me at info at karma.org the five cities reference in in that area because i've written an article on this 
And I want to check out what you're saying because I didn't. I never thought of that. It never occurred to me that that might be a, an additional reason why uh, it might be representative. So I want to check that out. So if you could send me that information, I'd love that. But let me read something to you also. Second okay. Samuel 21, 20 through 22. And there was war at Gath again. Oh, and by the way, I, just four days ago, I was in the valley or overlooking the valley where David... Uh, and Goliath fought. How about that? Mm. So, I even awesome. have pictures of it. Yeah, they're just there. So this is Second Samuel 21. And there was war at Gath again, and there was a man of great stature who had six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot, twenty-four in number, and also he had been born to the giant. And when he defied Israel, Jonathan the son of Shimei, David's brother, struck him down. These four were born to the giant at Gath, and they fell by the hand of David and by the hand of his servants. So the four were born to the giant, to, to Goliath, it looks like. So five stones would be one for Goliath and the four for his offspring because of the, the issue of blood revenge. Uh, which was a concept back then if you you hurt somebody in your family you had to go hurt them equally or more mm -hmm. the enemy and so if you were to kill Dave, uh, Goliath the children would come after David so he was ready to take mm -hmm. the whole family on that's uh, well, that's what I think is the reason okay mm -hmm. yeah I've heard that one from Vernon McGee too mm -hmm. uh, so it's definitely a possibility sure but so is yours, and I, I love that. I never thought of that, never considered that. So this is why I'm seriously interested in you providing me that information so I can go check it out. Because if, if I look at it and go, hey, that's good, what I can do is modify the article and say, here's a possible additional reason. How about that? Okay. Absolutely, I'll send it to you. Yeah. In fact, that reminds me, because when uh, in John 4... I, I, maybe someone knows this one. Uh, I heard this in passing. Uh, let's see. Because in John 4.18, um, Jesus says to the woman at the well, you know, you've had five husbands. And apparently five is also the number of cities or kingdoms that had been ruled in that area. Or something to do with this. And I heard it in passing. went, and they mentioned it, and I, I was like, what was that? And I, I forgot where I heard it, but it was one of those things that stuck in my head, and I haven't been able to figure it out. But maybe someone listening might know what that is, and they could send me the information on that too. And I love to have people, you know, like you call up and you go, hey, what about this? I learn a lot that way, and I appreciate that. So I hope you do send me the information. Will do. Okay. Thanks for taking the call. Sure, man. Good stuff, Gabriel. Uh, really appreciate it. Seriously, good stuff. I'll call I mean, back again it, later. Okay, you send me that info. Uh, the, the, the info at info at karm.org. All right, buddy? Appreciate it. Okay. All right. Okay. All right, let's get to Buskman from Dayton, Ohio. Hey, Buskman, welcome. You're on the air. Hey, man. Once again, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. I uh, missed it the other week uh, when you was in Egypt. How did your trip go, sir? It went well. Uh, let's see. We saw uh, about 50, a buddy of mine and I, we counted 50, give or take two, things we kind of figured out, 50 things we saw. And we, we walked about four to six miles a day, uh, climbed wow. 
10 to 15 stories equivalent average a day, three different hotels, uh, bus rides. We, we, we saw uh, the West Bank, uh, Palestine. We were we went to uh, oh man I mean went like I said just the the battle scene of David and Goliath. We went we walked wow. through Hezekiah's tunnel. Um, we saw the foundation stones of the fortress or not the fortress but the uh, the uh, palace of David. We saw David's tomb, Joseph's tomb. We saw the, the place where Abraham and Sarah were buried. Uh, we we saw so many things. Uh, the Golgotha, and I was privileged to be able to give communion at Golgotha uh, in a small room. Wow, man! One of the thing we went to Masada, we went to the Qumran caves, the Dead Sea, the Sea of Galilee. We went out on the Sea of Galilee on a boat. Um, saw a museum in Jerusalem. Went to the Holocaust Museum. Uh, you know, it was just a, it was a great trip, and uh, and get this uh, on the way back, I lost my hearing aids, and um, oh, no. I have no, and they're expensive, and so I'm without my hearing aids. We lost, I I put a, a lost and found request in, and I got to figure out what, what I'm going to do because I need them because my wife uh, when she's fatigued doesn't talk real loud, and I say what a lot. And uh, that, you know, oh, wow. it's, it's a stress on her. So it's one of those things. I, I have a routine, and they're just gone. And I'm just talking out loud. And I'm going to say this also. We had two guys uh, who went, one from Brazil, who's with CARM, and another guy from Bogota, Colombia, uh, he's with CARM. And it's the first time we'd all three been together. And also Dave, uh, Dave Kimball, a friend of mine, he's on the board of directors. He went, and so all four of us were there together. It was really great. Dave, uh, the guy from Brazil, lost his wallet now get this he said he he was frantic he lost his wallet had forty dollars in it oh yeah forty dollars and several credit cards and I'll okay we got a break i'll but tell you what happened yeah because it was like are you serious <laughs> oh yeah it's good stuff Hey, folks, we'll be right hey. back after these messages. We have four open lines. If you want to give me a call, 877-207-2276. We'll be right back. It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. Let's get back on the air to Buskman. Are you still there? Still here, Matt. Hey, please tell me you're going to post your picks on Karm.org. Is that possible? <laughs> yeah, it is. got a lot to post. Uh, I've got to decide what wow, I'm going to do and how I'm going to do awesome. it. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff. And uh, I'm suffering from jet lag still. <laughs> You know, I got up at yeah. you know, dark thirty this morning, and and uh, anyway, no big deal. So get this. Um, so David Brito, uh, our missionary uh, that we support in uh, Brazil, uh, he lost his wallet. It's pretty serious, right? So he's there in Israel, and he told us what happened. That he was out at a store. He was out someplace. Then we all came back in the bus, and he gets to his room, and the wallet's you know not in his pants. And he's like, "Oh my goodness, what am I going to do?" So yeah. he was frantic. And I said, "Well, you got to talk to the um, the lobby desk and see if everybody's reported anything in the bus or what you know the standard stuff." And he, he's really he's very agitated, and I don't blame him. And so uh, he goes away, and he comes back ten minutes later, and he says, "I found it." 
I said, really? And he goes, wow. you won't believe where it was. And I'm like, what? He said he got on his knees and he prayed. He asked God. He went to the room, the hotel room. He asked God, please, I need this wallet. It's, it's you know. And uh, he said while he was praying, he had a flash in his mind that said, look in the trash, in the room, in the trash can. And he was puzzling, why the trash can? And it flashed in his head really strong. And he, he went over to the trash and lifted up the bag, and there was something heavy underneath it, and his wallet was at the bottom of the trash inside. Yeah. And he has no brother idea Matt, how it got there. I'm not, I am not surprised because, brother, our Lord has done things like that with me. But I still stand back as a human and say, Oh, my Lord and my God, just as Thomas did when he saw the nail prints. Well, because of that, I was praying, God, please just give me my, my hearing aids back because they're very expensive. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I need them. And my, I do because I have 80 decibel ringing in both ears, right. and they help reduce that a little bit. It helps keep me uh, sane. Yeah. So... Uh, any rate, you know, the, the trip was awesome, and I, I do enjoy uh, talking about it. Uh, we walked through Hezekiah's Tunnel, uh, which was amazing. And uh, wow. uh, I had a bad episode, though. My acrophobia really acted up because on the edge of a lot of things, and I don't do well with that. Uh, it just I got traumatized when I was a kid. But the guys were good yeah. about it. And um, then we met, you know, like if Donna's listening, hey, Donna, how are you doing? So Donna... She loves my book, The The Influence, and we met in LAX, and she goes, man, I love your book. She says, I've read it three times. I've given it to a bunch of people. They've read it multiple times. They're giving it away, you know, the book, The Influence. And uh, so she says, I'm so tickled to meet you. She gave me a hug. I love your book. And we sat uh, next to each other on the plane uh, to Istanbul. And then wow. we had a, just a couple rows difference or something like that uh, to Tel Aviv. And then we happened to sit next to each other in the bus. And then Praise on the way God. back from Istanbul, we happened to sit right next to each other again. And we're like, that is weird. There's all these people all over, you know. And and so uh, she was a sweetie. And uh, it's, it's a lot of good stuff. I'm, just, I'm sorry, just rem- reminiscing. But I took a, a lot of <laughs> film on stuff. This is when I, why I want to get a new camera. I use my phone camera for a lot of stuff. And... Um, yeah. I need a, a better camera so I can do video work, webcam stuff, and I'm finally going to start uh, doing some stuff. Excuse me. So you got me talking about the trip. And uh, Thursday I'm going to be showing pictures here after the Bible study I teach in the house. You know, if you, if you I'm just telling everybody, if you can go to Israel, you're going to love it. You're just going to love yeah. it. Uh, especially the it's camel. It's on my ride. bucket list, Matt. If the Lord it is, is. Uh, it, it's obviously going to be him. I'm a... I'm a I'm a blue collar man, <laughs> Matt. So, but God yeah. God owns the cattle on a thousand hillsides. That's, that's what right. I always say. Well, the only reason I could go is because people went uh, under my uh, leadership headship, or you know, in as far as as uh, who you're signing up under, and I was able to uh, garner enough uh, from that nice. to reduce the cost so I could go. And uh, nice. but we're talking about doing the footsteps of Paul next year. We go to Turkey, oh, and then Greece, yes. and then Italy. You're a man uh, after my own traveling heart, man, because I'd <laughs> love to see the Holy Land first and then where Paul went. 
My brother's done the, the trip to what Paul did. Now he's never mm-hmm. been to Israel, but my brother did that, and he sent me pics of of the uh, supposed uh, one of the jail cells mm-hmm. that the Apostle Paul was was incarcerated in. Which oh just no me way! Away. I'd love to yes. see. Yes, yes, and it was just a little porthole, Matt. It was just a little tiny uh, window, if you will, on the. Oh, are you there? Stone building, okay. and it was just—it was just breathtaking. Just the picture, wow. seeing it, Matt, was was breathtaking. Well, we saw the Hippodrome right next to the place where Paul was imprisoned uh, on the Mediterranean. We saw that. Wow! And I also saw the very room that Jerome translated uh, the Bible. Jerome wow! Himself. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, it's just—it's. So go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, how when you're teaching and, and reading the scripture, even in your time, how does those those visions? I mean, really, that's got to really transform your Bible studying and yeah, your does. Bible teaching, does it not? Yes. Yeah, I can like, imagine, like I can the only guy who, well, yeah, the guy who called up about David and Goliath, you know, and it. Now, it's the first time I'd been there, but we were on the hill looking down in the valley where they fought. Absolutely. And, and it's just awesome. And um, we went to Gethsemane, and I brought back a small branch of, of a, I think it was olive oh. tree, a small branch, brought it back from the Garden of Gethsemane. That is craziness, man. I would love yeah. that, dude. You know, it, it's just—it's just a delight, and another delight is the people. You're all sharing the same experience, and I'm going to say this yeah. too. Eric Johnson, he's with Mormonism Research Ministry, MRM.org. Cool. He heads these trips up, and so I know Eric, and I'll be staying at his place in a couple of weeks. My wife and I, hopefully, well, I, I will be for sure. My wife's going uh, for Sandra Tanner's uh, retirement party, and Eric does a great job. He's been doing this. He's been to Israel like 15 times. And he knows the ropes. He knows where to go. He does a great job. And he's the guy who puts these things together. He reaches out to people, and we arrange trips. And so uh, we're talking about doing the, the footsteps of Paul. And I'm like, yeah, man, you know, wow. I'm interested. So Definitely take go. photographs on that and post that on CARM when you mm-hmm. go there, Matt. Lord willing, yeah, if you can, post that on, on CARM as well. Mm-hmm. Well, I got to do something. I, you know, I, the thing is, I'm working on another art. You know, you know how it is. I'm super, super busy. I need yeah. a lot of help. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just need a lot of help. Yes, I got so many things yeah. to do. But anyway, you had a question, I guess, right? Believe it or not, I did. And basically, it was an encouragement for the last brother that called you that said, "Hey, I did. I don't know if I did a good enough job because my friend passed away." I just, and I know you only have a few minutes, and you probably have somebody else on the line. Um, tell that brother to be encouraged. I had the same uh, experience, only my second brother, I'm one of five children, number two was a God-hater, if I can use your platform, Matt, to speak to this dear brother, if he's still listening. He was a God-hater. He hated God, and he would beat up on Christians if he ever found out that you believed in God. So my brother made a statement to our mom and said, you know what, the only person that will ever convince me that there's a God is my brother in speaking of me. Well, brother, I committed a grievous sin that actually caused my wife and I to separate. 
And long story short, this is what happened. My brother passed. My brother passed away. I cried a pool of tears, probably at least 12 inches in diameter when I found out he died because I was so guilty. I was like, I was the one that could have converted my brother. And a person came and said, you are not responsible for your brother's salvation. Jesus is. Did you ever tell him of Christ? Yes, I did. Faithfully, yes, I did. Then your job is done. Get up from your face and stop weeping. And I realized from that, it took me a while to heal. It did. It, even though this deer, and who knows, it could have been an angel in this, and it was a female. It was a female in a white shirt and caught this story and told me, get up, you know, and everything that I just said. And it took me probably a year or two that really settled in what that dear Christian said to me. And it could have been an angel. I don't know. But the, the long story was is be faithful. My brother knew that I repented of that grievous sin before she passed, brother. So just as Matt has said, trust in the sovereignty of God to have touched that person that you cared about. And always remember these verses. First Timothy chapter 2, verses 3, 4, and 5. And just know that God wants those people saved even more than we loved ones want them saved. So take encouragement, brother, and know that you you did what God wanted you to do and trust in the sovereignty of God instead of our own human frailty. Amen. That's all I got, brother. That's all I got, brother. All right, man. Appreciate it, brother. Appreciate it. Okay, hope that Absolutely. Him if he's and I'll get off the line so you can take another call before the end of your show. God bless All you, right, man. man. All right, God bless. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. All right. Good. That's good. All right, then. Now let's jump over to Dave from North Carolina. Dave, welcome. You're on the air. How you doing? I'm at, um, just had a, a question. Um, uh, let me turn this off just a second. There we go. Mm-hmm. Um, um, when uh, someone calls, like like the caller you had, when you talk about Jesus as Lord, when you speak of the Lord, so and so and so, um, who are you thinking about when you call? someone when you call lord are you thinking of jesus are you thinking of god in general um because i don't seem to ever have the inclination to use those words i, I thought i was a christian um i mean i, I feel like I, I i get impulse inspiration from the holy spirit from time to time but i don't ever have that um inclination to use that and of course jesus said that, that's one of the criteria okay. is you have to call him lord well, so I was just wondering what is it that I was gonna say first of all, we only have we have less than a minute on the show and I wanna to talk to you. So if you would call back tomorrow. I'm not gonna dismiss you right now. Oh it just we got like fifteen seconds. Okay. I don't have time to, to I, get I in to talk. Okay. Okay, yeah, but I wanna to talk right. to you about this. Could you call back tomorrow about it? Because the music's gonna start any second. There it is. And let's talk about this, okay? Because I think it's important okay. for you, you and um, for others. Five o'clock right. Eastern. Okay. 
Yeah, okay. no, 6 p.m. is when we start. 6 p.m. Eastern time is when we start for one hour. Okay? Okay. Call back tomorrow. Right. Let's talk about right, thank it. Thank you. Because I do Sorry, want to talk to you, brother. All right, God bless. Boy, timing. Hey, folks, by God's grace, back on air tomorrow. We'll talk to you then. Another program powered by the Truth Network.